1: Welcome to A Good Football Show Waiver Wire Edition for Week 5. I'm joined by John Daigle of NBC Sports Edge. John, how's it going?
2: Week 5 with updated internet. Apparently, you just had to reset the router, which we've never done in the entire time that I've been here living with Evan Silva. So, good internet. That's all it was. That's all it was. And and the person on the other end of the line said, How often do you usually reset the modem? And he goes, I've never reset it. And that kind of <laughs> solves our problem. So apparently all the bandwidth was backed up. We just had to clean it up. So we're good to go now. We are good for video. All
1: right. Maybe I should try that. My my internet's not quite as good as I feel like it should be. So maybe my
2: But bad. you have an updated background as well. Just a totally new show in week five.
1: That's true. That's true. We're uh, we're we're moving forward here. Um, we have an interesting week of waiver wire discussion here, John. Um, I think very interesting in the sense that the the big the big name right for I mean the most exciting name I, I'm sure it's not a running back so um, maybe this isn't the biggest name, but we might have trey lance this Sunday, although the news since Sunday since yesterday has trended towards maybe it's not a hundred percent chance that we'll even have trey lance starting this week so Let's kick things off with the San Francisco quarterback situation. Where are you at on that?
2: Kyle Shanahan, perpetually perturbed anytime someone asks him any question at all this year. Obviously, now has saying that Garoppolo is more like day-to-day, even though we know that the Cardinals' bye week is in week six. Thus, one more game on the road in Arizona. Uh, and so I am banking no matter what Shanahan is telling us, we will have a reevaluation of Garoppolo's calf injury on Wednesday. I'm banking he's out. And Shanahan's just delaying what he should be telling us already. And we saw Trey Lance come in in the second half of Sunday's game and was the QB 12 overall in fantasy in just 30 minutes, delivering 20 fantasy points, seven carries, 150 yards to the air, and two touchdowns. So if you're trying to move aggressively for a quarterback, because so far, the master plan has worked. We said Sam Darnold or Kirk Cousins masking Trey Lance if you could afford to stash two quarterbacks and one quarterback leagues. Master plan so far. And now we are in a situation where maybe you have to drop someone for Trey Lance if he starts. But if we don't get this news before Wednesday, and doesn't seem like we will, it may be too risky to go in just with Lance anyhow. But I do have a list. And if you want to be aggressive, I will say the only quarterbacks you would keep, if not dropping for Lance, keep are Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Sam Darnold, and Tom Brady, just barely. That is my list if you are being very aggressive of quarterbacks just to keep. And that includes rest of season schedule. For instance, like a uh, Dak Prescott, although we're worried that he hasn't thrown more than 27 pass attempts in three consecutive games, it's just hump, it's just the offense, being one of the better quarterbacks. Also, Tom Brady's schedule is very favorable. Same for Sam Darnold. We knew the Panthers opened up with a very easy schedule, anyhow. That's why we wanted to draft him and the later rounds coming into week one, but it's actually gotten significantly easier since teams like Washington Falcons like don't have nearly as good a defense as we thought they were going to have. Same for the Giants. So Darnold and the Panthers offense are actually in extremely favorable situations. If you're being more conservative though, I will add to the list. The other quarterbacks I would not drop are Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Daniel Jones. If you look at the Giants next schedule, schedule for the next six to eight weeks, because we're trying to glance into the ahead of the fantasy playoffs since we're still trying to get there. Daniel Jones' schedule also fairly easy, and Justin averaging over six carries per game. He provides sneaky rushing floor every single week. Uh, On those lists, I did not include Russell Wilson, nor did I include Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert I'm still thinking about. Now, I understand we're watching Monday Night Football as he tears it up with three touchdowns in the first half, but Trey Lance is rushing upside. I think genuinely brings him into that QB 8-10 to range, and that's what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have to keep Justin Herbert over Lance because of the uncertainty about how long Lance is starting. It's not really about the scoring. It's not about, you know, fancy points per game. It's about, is this guy actually going to be playing quarterback for the 49ers beyond the bye week?
2: Week seven, yeah.
1: Yeah, we were – both you and I thought that the plan here or kind of the way that Kyle Shanahan's hand was going to be forced was that they were going to eventually – Have to, you know, whether it was the original plan or just because they're coming off a couple losses, go with Trey Lance after the 49ers bye week. It does strike me that maybe we were wrong based on how unprepared, you know, all these quotes saying they were not ready for Lance to start. They're not happy that he might be starting this week. The whole thing... And I know, I know that Kyle Shanahan really enjoys lying to us, so mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily buying this completely. But it does make me a little more nervous that maybe we were off base on our original thinking and that Lance wasn't slated to start after the bye and might not have started until much later in the season. If that's the case, and Jimmy Garoppolo's calf injury is not as bad as they suspect, maybe it's just a one-week start for Lance, and then we get Jimmy G after the bye again. What like How realistic do you think that scenario is?
2: Fairly realistic. I think everything's up in the air. Uh, I do think Lance will get the start and then he has to perform well against the Cardinals. And that'll probably decide what they do in week seven. And when I mention players like, you know, Russell Wilson, who actually think Lance is a better overall play for the rest of the season than Russ pretty easily. um, And Justin Herbert, obviously these are your shallow one quarterback leagues that you can just go into your waivers and pick up someone like Matthew Stafford. Anyways, they're, they're always Derek Carr. Even those players are always available to grab. Uh, Having said that, what I'm worried about in this one particular game, since we are treating this like Lance's debut, is that Trent Williams, basically week to week, we don't know his injury since he got carted off with a serious elbow injury. Also, Alex Mack, starting center, injured in that game. And so now you're going in with backups on your offensive line against Chandler Jones and a formidable front seven against the Cardinals, despite being an up-tempo game. So it has shades, even though we trust the play calling and the players around Lance, much more than the bear situation. It does have shades of like a field situation for a rookie, a a rookie's first career start on the road with terrible O-line play. And I think that's the biggest concern for me and why I think it's wiser to treat it conservatively. But again, like if you tell me Lance or a fringe QB one this week, if Lance is guaranteed to start, then I'm just taking the rushing floor this week. Anyhow.
1: Yeah. How aggressive would you be in terms of your fab bids for Lance?
2: We would be bidding, assuming, the rest of the season most likely, and you will have to compete. Uh, we also know quarterback fantasy points are still replaceable. We are hoping Lance is not replaceable. But overall, I would say probably 8 to 10%. You think that's aggressive? 6 six to 8% is probably not going to do it.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to need – I mean, in the high-stakes stuff, if he's out there, you're going to have to go 20%, I would say. Okay. Yeah, that would be my feel on it, but that might be, like, if you really want him, I think that's probably where you need to get to. Um, I would be putting in bids at at least 10%.
2: Myself. Okay, and to be fair, in the high stake stuff, like, uh, everyone, mostly everyone has known this plan. They has known yeah. the grand plan about the bye week and masking him until then. So, I've checked a lot of leagues I'm in. He's not available in most. Um, but some of the other guys we're about to tackle bat are
1: yeah and that's a great point i mean if the guy's already rostered in almost all the leagues that you're in then you're gonna have to pay up a little bit more the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't
0: go well
1: Let's move on to the running backs here. Let's talk about Damian Williams and Samaje Pirine. I think kind of have that conversation together a little bit because we've got a starter with a bit of an uncertain injury situation Mm -hmm. and then a backup who, in Pirine's case, we're a bit uncertain about his role, but at least he's healthy. And then in Williams' case, I think we're more happy about what the potential role would be there, but he also picked up a small injury on Sunday as well.
2: Damian Williams came in for Montgomery in the second half and handled six consecutive backfield touches, all of them before getting injured and ceding that role to Khalil Herbert, the only other available running back on Chicago's roster. Uh, but we do know Williams in that span did run at least eight routes. Herbert didn't run a single route. So this will be Damian Williams' backfield, assuming he's healthy with the quad injury. Just seemed like it was more of getting banged up and he's going to practice this week than anything. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, we haven't seen much of anyone, though, behind Joe Mixon. So we're just going on the fact that Samaj Pirine to this point of the season, has out-touched Chris Evans 12-3 on the year and run 21 routes to Evans' nine. So we're banking on more of a 60-40, hopefully 70-30, 80-20 roll for p ryan if all things were equal in montgomery's and Mixon's and and we do this on monday night um we are have a little more of knowledge on a tuesday morning but still tough we're trying to predict everything i think p ryan would be the obvious choice over williams since a bet on the ladder is also a bet on the bears who have thrown 24 20 and 17 pass attempts in the past three games you really just don't want to bet on matt and these offense even in last week's perform or Last This past week's performance, as you noted on the recap pod when you t- discussed it, the Bears' issue is that now, even if Damian Williams gets this role for Montgomery, like Fields was good because he was running and throwing deep, and none of that services Williams, like maximizes the potential. But it does seem like Montgomery's injury is more long-term, whereas Mixon is either week-to-week or day-to-day. It varies depending on the report. And again, we've heard day-to-day or week-to-week two years in a row now for Mixon's injury, and he just never came back. Uh, Both bye weeks also for these teams are in week 10. So that doesn't really help us either. It's possible Mixon's out the next five games. We don't know, but or next four games. But overall, I think it is Williams over Pirine thinking that Montgomery could miss the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Montgomery injury, it did not look good um, when he went down and you know it's a knee so I'm with you I think Damian Williams I just feel more confident about the role too you know the receptions for Piran it's not like really what he does um, last year when he was filling in he, he had such a limited reception role such a limited reception volume how aggressive would you be with uh, with Williams in terms of the fab
2: again we don't know Montgomery's injury so I think you are bidding on a running back for honestly, like at least the next five or six weeks, just because it's ominous. Anytime reports say uh, we are not sure if, or at least we don't think that this player suffered a torn ACL, which then tells us, okay, we're looking at usually like four to six weeks minimum because they were lucky to avoid that injury, but it's still quite serious. So Williams, if he's out there, I think it's sort of the more than a Chuba Hubbard situation where you're looking at, 40 to 50% of your remaining fab, if not 60% if you need running back help, especially because the bye weeks start next week.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me. And then what about P. Ryan?
2: P. Ryan, again, day to day, we are not sure, but I honestly think similar amount, Um, 40 to 50%. I would be more aggressive in Williams thinking I'm going to have him for a longer period. But also if you need the running back, even if you're just replacing Joe Mixon, uh, we know they are one for one replacement. So it's easier. If Mixon's out, you can start P. Ryan. If Mixon's available, uh, P. Ryan goes back to your bench because he's not a contingency player. He just doesn't get touches. And so at least that is a safer contingency guy to have, knowing you always have the Bengals starting running back, unless, of course, P. Ryan gets hurt too.
1: Where are you at on Chris Evans? Because I could see him ruining this for P. Ryan. And I, when I say ruin, I don't mean that he's the guy, but I mean that he comes in and has enough of a passing down role. To really limit Pirine's value to where, you know, it's kind of a Mike davis type situation where you're like, I don't feel great about starting this. I don't feel great about starting Pirine. How much worry do you have for Chris Evans if you're going to be bidding on Pirine? And then are you interested in Chris Evans at all just to try to pick up uh, him?
2: I would honestly put Evans in the a little more than the Jake Funk, Royce Freeman range if us just taking chances just in case. Uh, there is there is a very good chance Evans opens up on pass catching role over P Ryan, which would then you know sink P Ryan's ceiling. But from what just from what we know, and we also know that P Ryan was given the long term extension this past year. I would imagine that's who they ride as a team who, under Zach Taylor, I know it's not many years, but has historically just tried to ride one back.
1: Let's move on to Kenny Gainwell if he's out there. I imagine he's he's rostered in most leagues, but. If he's available, uh, how aggressive are you going to be this week, Daigle?
2: Yeah, so Gainwell, it's an issue for Miles Sanders because Philadelphia is averaging the fewest running back carries per game and remain bottom 10. And basically every advanced pass defense EPA metric because they, they're a horrible defense. Uh, and that does not bode well for Sanders since Even when Philadelphia runs the ball, he's in a majority timeshare with 37 carries to Gainwell's 19 thus far, and also losing routes, run and targets to Gainwell in that role. And you look at Philadelphia's upcoming schedule, which is tough as well. They can't stop anyone anyhow. And so it does spell Gainwell as perhaps standalone flex value as we move into bye weeks, if you're that desperate. So, if we knew Montgomery's injury, because since we're trying to argue for the longer term player, like I'd still prefer Williams easily. But given that GameLeads seems to be carving out a role for a bad defense that is in a bad team that's going to be a negative game script often, like it seems like he has just the every week Contingency player value, perhaps standalone player value, if it stays this way, and is also a tremendous talent as a receiver that could uh, earn more touches along the way. So, like long term, Gainwell is the better pickup.
1: Gainwell's good. Like I, I feel pretty confident about that. And that's that's something you know we're here kind of in the weeds of waiver wire stuff. You do still want to pick up the guys who are good. You know, it doesn't. It's not just opportunity. Opportunity is a huge part of it. But um, with Gainwell, you get. A growing opportunity, and I think it's growing in part because they realize what they have. They got a steal in the draft, I think, with with Kenny Gainwell. Uh, Curtis Samuel, back in action this week. Where are you at on him?
2: Samuel was eased in in his first game action since being activated off injured reserve for 37% of Washington's offensive snaps still accrued four targets and a 12% target share though, on just 16 routes run, which we expect to progressively increase, especially since Washington may have lost Diami Brown, Cam Sims and Logan Thomas as all left week four with injuries. Um, Now turn around and have a, Favorable upcoming schedule, but overall, if we are still expecting Samuel's role to increase, you said bet on talent. Like, this is a talented player that you want to have, especially since the target tree is nowhere else to go, especially if we remove, you know, Diamond Brown and Logan Thomas. So overall, yes, of course, we want to bet on Samuel.
1: Yep. And what would you be looking to bid on him, Fabwise?
2: Depending if you need a wide right receiver, because the role is still concerning as well. We know whenever Scott Turner took over for North Turner in the last four games of Carolina, last uh, in 2019, he Samuel averaged just four and a half yards per target, was just used underneath, and he actually averaged this past week uh, a little over four yards per target again. So I'm still kind of worried about his explosiveness in this offense, but they may have no choice to open him up given the injuries around him. So I, th- I would honestly think uh, 10 to 12%, 10 to 14%. It's not really – I don't want to be too aggressive, but I, c- I can certainly see him being serviceable as like a wide receiver 4 or 5. I don't know if your outlook is much higher than that.
1: No, I, I would have even go a little lower, I think, where okay. I'd probably be more like between five and ten um, yeah. percent myself. I I think the opportunity is you know, there's they're gonna have to play him a lot now. Um and so he could and I think he's a talented guy, so he could definitely uh he could definitely
2: be pretty valuable, help you through the bye weeks, but and Heineke has been a top 12 quarterback in his last three starts. Now it's been favorable situations against favorable defenses. Even the Bills game, they had no choice but to let him loose. But uh he's proved like he can carry two receivers in this offense.
1: Yeah, Heineke's been impressive. Uh I will use this opportunity to give a plug for Rashad Bateman if you're in a league where Curtis Samuel's available. Maybe that league isn't picking up guys, you know, when they're coming off IR. Bateman, I think, will play week five. Now, you're not starting week five because that's the Monday football games. You know, we may not know for sure what his role is going to be before you have to make your start decisions. But that's okay. You're most likely going to get a chance to see him in action next week, and that'll tell us a lot about what we're doing week six. So, in the type of league where Curtis Samuel's around, I would definitely check for Bateman as well. David, what are you thinking in terms of deep cuts?
2: So again, add, stop me, whatever at the end, but. Brandon Bolton actually took on James White's role with a season high in snaps and six targets on 15% target share on 11 routes. Damian Harris ran a season high in routes also, but did so because he was on the field as a team starter per usual. Except the game plan this week was obviously to avoid running the ball. That's why he led the team with just four carries. So, I expect that role to decrease significantly when he's asked to run the ball and Bolden to come in like he did this week as the pass game specialist. So I think they actually treat Bolden as the uh James White type player after JJ Taylor, two touches, fumble, and uh crushed our hearts. Alex Collins yeah. played a season high in snaps and a timeshare with Chris Carson this past week. Chris Carson was not on the injury report, nor was he said to have an in-game injury? Pete Carroll just said they were giving him a breather. And Collins, honestly, when you watch the game, looked like the better running back. Now, it's a, certainly an, an issue because Seahawks running backs aren't involved in the passing game heavily. Seahawks were also the only team in the NFL who have yet to run 60 plays in any game, as there's just a sluggish offense with a very bad defense. But overall, Collins is now what looks like to be a Sanders-Gainwell situation minus the pass-catching role. Jameson Crowder also returned to the team this week, his season debut, team-high nine targets. But, reminder, Elijah Moore seems to be ready to clear concussion protocol slowly. And so, although it is a favorable situation yet again for this Jets offense against the Falcons in London on Sunday, we have to wake up early, unfortunately, I am curious to monitor how this situation works out in favorable game scripts, because the Jets' upcoming schedule is quite easy. So maybe either Jameson Crowder or Moore uh, breakout. It didn't happen from what I understand against the first three teams they played because it was a tough schedule, but maybe it happens suddenly. Ricky Seals Jones did not expect to get here, but former number two overall recruit, number one overall receiver, the 2013 class behind Derrick Henry literally became Logan Thomas. Whenever Thomas left the field with that week to week injury playing career high 93% snaps and crossing the elite threshold. We chase in tight ends with a route on 83% of Taylor Heineke's dropbacks. Again, Terrible defense, literally bottom in every passing defense EPA metric possible. Uh, Taylor Heineke, no choice but to drop back and throw at will constantly. And now it's a extreme athletic tight end on his second contract, what we chase. So I actually think he's a pretty good pickup.
1: I've been kind of a, a Logan Thomas doubter where I think his superpower, is it's kind of like James Robinson last year where James Robinson was getting all the snaps and he's good. He's not incredible, but he's just getting every single opportunity. Logan Thomas had that same setup. And so Ricky Seals Jones doesn't have to be that good. Like, he just, he's probably going to run a route on like 90 to 95% of dropbacks because that's Logan Thomas was like 95 plus sometimes. Yes. So I like that one. Um, and I did want to comment on Crowder. Braxton Barrys is getting a bunch of targets, which I think could definitely go to Crowder. And I think Keelan Cole's probably going to be more hurt by Elijah Moore. <laughs> And I also think Crowder is like a professional wide receiver. He's kind of in that Sterling Shepard mold of like guys that we're not that excited about, but he is a professional NFL wide receiver. And at this point, like I would rather, so I would probably rather take a chance on the Jets' schedule easing up, Wilson not being as bad as we thought, and Crowder now being able to do something with targets in a way Berrios wasn't, and get him for maybe like 2% of my budget as opposed to chasing Curtis Samuel that would be one of the reasons i would be kind of easing back on my Samuel bits if if crowder's out there instead yeah that or makes in addition that makes total sense reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see
0: so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil do you want a beautiful lawn
2: Uh, and then one last one. Mike Davis's backfield touch share has dramatically decreased in every game, four consecutive games. So much so that he handled just forty six percent of the team's backfield touches this past week. And I, I genuinely wonder how many more games he has in his bag of one yard per carry, like he did this past week, until he's just healthy scratch for Wayne Gallman. Since Cordarrelle Patterson is not really taking Mike Davis's role, like. Patterson mossing guys as a receiver from the backfield is never how Mike Davis would be used. So, really, Davis is competing with Wayne Gallman. And the fact that they activated Wayne Gallman and then gave him six carries on 10 snaps in his first game of the year, like uh, there genuinely is a chance that Wayne Gallman sneaks up on us in, t- in a couple weeks.
1: I like that call. Uh, the weird thing about Patterson is that his snaps dropped. This like this last week.
3: Oh, it's it's so
2: fluky. He's like, his production is the flukiest stuff ever. Uh, I'm cheering for the guy. He's an explosive player. Arthur Smith is uh, continues unlocking the best way to use his strength, but like he's going to score 12 touchdowns on like 60 snaps all year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunity here in terms of running back snaps that Patterson is not touching right now. I continue to think if they're using him this much when he's on the field, they're kind of tipping their hand, and at some point they're just going to have to put them on the field more. But until then, I, I agree. I think a sneaky pickup um, in in Wayne Gallman for sure. I'll add as I'm watching this uh, Chargers game here. It seems like Justin Jackson is kind of the clear handcuff when Eckler went out for a little while. Yes. um That you know, and and I was kind of thinking through that when I wasn't sure if Eckler was going to come back. Thinking, why are we screwing around with, you know roundtree and kelly and there's no value here except eckler we just want the guy who could be eckler if Eckler's not there we just need the contingent eckler so i would use this as a reminder any place where justin jackson is available and you can get him very cheap eckler's healthy so there's there's not like really any reason to spend more than you know a, a buck or two out of a thousand but um but I think he's probably someone who should be rostered. And I and at this point, I'd probably be moving on from the other Chargers running backs.
2: And we discussed it in the recap show, and I'll say it here. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'd worry about Rodney Smith, even in deeper leagues. He did run 21 routes to Chuba Hubbard's 10, out-targeting Hubbard five to two, but also it seems like Christian McCaffrey is going to at least try to practice on Wednesday. We know when they didn't put him on IR, he was looking at a two week absence. Three would probably be worst case scenario. Otherwise they would have just slapped him on IR for him to miss the three games to begin with. And so uh, I don't think I'm worrying about Smith because also we know they were trailing by two scores for most of the second half after the third quarter. So uh, yeah, I'm not worrying about it.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Anything else before we go?
2: Nope, that's about it. Just one quick question in the chat about Robert Woods. Uh, We're worried about Robert Woods. As someone who bought low this past week in a couple home leagues, just to have three targets, one catch for 18 yards, that came on the team's first drive, then basically go 56 minutes until he got his next targets on the final possession of a game the Rams trailed 37-30 to team. That was like the nut game script, and Robert Woods luck-boxed his way into like a, Top 30 receiver finish. The worst case scenario. So uh we are absolutely worried.
1: Yeah, I'm worried too. And there seems to be, you know, Van Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson nipping at his heels for for opportunity there in a way that like that's concerning. Like a guy that we're drafting this high should have no worries about Van Jefferson. Like that he should be way ahead of Van Jefferson in the coaches' minds. Mm -hmm. The fact that he isn't is is definitely a bit of a concern.
2: Correct, yeah. And I I do think still we need to, given the usage of Van Jefferson, though— um, I think we just need to leave our priors at the door though. Like I understand he was not a good prospect coming out, but the way they're using him, and I never would have imagined him being used as a deep threat in one of the league's most explosive offenses in the league. But the way they're using him, he's just out there. Like he's literally out there as a strong number three receiver anytime the Rams need to shoot out. So I, I think he's still a very good pickup. I'll, I'll just continue writing about it every week.
1: I agree. I agree. I think at this point, like we want pieces of this offense and however they... I mean, you know you just you can't like we if Jalen Guyton was doing anything we'd pick up Jalen Guyton because we want pieces of the Chargers offense when they're rolling you know you we were we were drafting Byron Pringle we were drafting Michael Harbin after he hadn't shown anything with these types of really explosive offenses then I do agree. You kind of want to be quick to adjust your priors, and I have very strong priors that Van Jefferson was not good. He had a very bad rookie year, and he was not a good prospect. But they spent a second-round pick on him, and now they're making a point to get him on the field in his second year, and it's a really good offense. So I I do agree. If he's out there, definitely someone to uh, pick up on the waiver wire.
2: And you will see Miles Gaskin on the drop list – you can tune into the column Tuesday morning to see the rest of the drop list.
1: All right, that sounds good. And uh, make sure to check us out here again next Monday night uh, during halftime. A little earlier. There won't hopefully be a weather delay next uh, next Monday. <laughs> a I weather
2: delay that's... indoors, right?
1: Yeah, not my favorite. But uh, but until then, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. And good luck with your waiver wires here heading into week five. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the
0: greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
3: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need.